0: Oh, my God.
1: Welcome to Pixel Sift, your favorite weekly video game podcast that comes from here in Western Australia. <laughs> on today's show, we're talking to Aranda Morrison and Mark Manel from Nomix Studios. They're a Perth-based development team behind the game Square Heroes, and it's a very promising game and they've just they've been greenlit on Steam. They're up there on there at the moment and they're coming to PS4 very very soon.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, we're also discussing games and the law, uh, trademarking, uh, classifications, ROMs, and all those lawsuits they often hear about in the media. And of course that includes console modding and even game emulators. Uh, but uh, piracy can stem from burning games and mimicking ideas entirely. yeah.
3: Uh, yes, we're also talking game rip-offs. So, games that are in one way or another, a copy of a previous release with different skins, or even taking the name of an established IP and trying to make it your own. Uh, all that and more will be coming up today on Pixel Sift. That's right. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. You're listening to Pixel Sift.
1: That's right, you're listening to Pixel Sift. It's Western Australia's yeah. video game podcast. Yeah, we are a Western We are hero. the most yellow video game podcast you can find <laughs> coming from Western Australia. Uh, every week we do a gaming show for you and talk about all the bigger issues in gaming. Uh, this week we're talking about game clones and game rip-offs. Now, I don't know if you saw the news, but there was a relatively high-profile rip-off that managed to make it all the way to the top of the App Store and it was a little game i've been waiting for minecraft 2 forever
3: <laughs> yeah a yeah. little game by the name called minecraft 2 yeah <laughs> uh, on ios or even the, the one one of the hundreds of flappy bird clones as well
1: yeah yeah so that one was interesting because it made it all the way to the top, and it had pretty much the exactly the same sort of promo graphics as the as the game itself. <laughs> the icon looked the same, but when you loaded it up, it was Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, like punching <laughs> enemies from the side, and it had two buttons in it. And it, they charged a lot of money for it and seven dollars, $7, wasn't it? Seven yeah. US, yeah. Yep. And up. a bunch of kids would have just gone, Ooh, "Oh, Minecraft too! I love Minecraft. It's even more Minecrafty." Mm. Um, Yeah, so there's a – I guess there's been a long history of it. That's one of the latest chapters in the history of of game clones and game ripoffs. Do we – what can we think of the – Any other ones that might have come to mind?
0: Um,
3: Well, just the other week, I was stumbling upon endless, seemingly endless amounts of GTA ripoffs through, again, iOS. um, And they all kind of sticked into the GTA thing as well. So, just changing it up like great theft audio or something like that. And there's just endless amounts of them. Um, And not not just that, we go back and there's even console ripoffs. We had the old FC Twin, which is a Super Nintendo uh, console Rip-off. What, what did that do exactly? Oh, just play the Super Nintendo games. Really? It but looks, you just don't buy it from Nintendo? And no, you buy it from F- FC Twin Company. Uh, ah. And it was black and like, you know, it looks very similar, but not quite the same thing.
2: Well, regarding clones, like- some clones have even become their own thing. Like, for example, Saint, the Saints Row franchise was pretty much a GTA clone, and that became its own little entity that, in some ways, was better than GTA.
3: Yeah, I mean, see, I wouldn't call that a clone. I'd just say it, it sparked it. You know, as, as much as There's say, a- you know, Wolfenstein and Doom kind of sparked the whole first-person shooter kind of scene. I mean, originally, all those games were kind of called Doom clones. That's true. Yeah. Um, before there was a proper name for it. So, like, yeah, Saints Row was it? Saints Row? Saints Row. Yeah, yeah the Saints Row. I mean, yeah, great game. Franchise. And based on it, sure. I but. think it's interesting
1: when there's an actual, like, I guess a next thing in a, in a particular genre. So, GTA is almost a genre of itself now. And yeah. Saints Row was part of another chapter in that sort of genre. But then there's ones that do actually, you know. Yeah. Properly actually try and steal Giddy everything. Up yeah. T- Tony
3: Abbott or whatever. Something yes, like that. Tony, Tony idea,
1: Tony of, yeah.
3: <laughs> the, idea right. the idea of a clone here, I feel, is trying to actually steal that game's audience by tricking them. Instead of just trying to, you know, doing homage oh, or okay. pastiche of the game or, or taking the mechanics and whatever that you really enjoyed, it's actually trying to steal their customers by bluffing them. All right, I got something
2: for you, Scott. Go. I got a game on my phone currently <sighs> called Fallout Bird. Yes. Yeah. Just how do you think, like, what do you think this game's about?
3: What comes to mind? What comes to mind? Well, like, I feel like you're setting me up for a failure yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. I am, yeah. But, <laughs> but I feel like it would be a Fallout-themed flappy bird. Yeah, but like, Half right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this game
1: right now.
2: Hang on. <laughs> You're going to talk us through it? Yeah, I'll I'll just let the game speak for itself.
1: It's loading up right now.
3: It is not... Fallout, it's the company. It's It's literally the band. Oh. See, if if Fallout 4 hadn't been, you know, top of the pops at the moment, that might have got me. It's just like... Yeah, Plus, you know, Fallout. Just
1: imagine like though, a lot of Fallout Boy fans would be thinking, "Oh man, every time I try to look up Fallout yeah. Boy, all I'm getting is this game. Are you it's just clogging up my my Google searches." Are you a Fallout Boy fan? You want a game? <laughs>
2: it's like, okay, yeah, that's
1: one for you. Yeah. yeah. If you're typing in Fallout and game, and you're coming up with that, and that's what you're looking for, there yeah. you go. I mean, Flappy just- Bird is interesting though, for in terms of clones, because a lot of them popped up basically overnight, it became a huge success, and the guy was making a stack of money in terms of in-game advertising yeah. and it was kind of not really what he wanted it became it became so popular and he kind of pulled the game straight away um, and it wasn't available so the clones kind of popped up and filled the the gap for people who weren't able to play the game that's while right. the game was gone
3: i never even had the actual original flappy bird i had pretty sure i had a fish it wasn't even it was like yeah. you know, swimming swimmy fish or something yeah um and i mean pokemon has had some they had micromon yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and it's something that ties into what we we'll have been talking about a little bit later in the show is uh, legal battles. Uh, the Crazy Taxi uh, Simpsons hit and run ripoff, okay. which actually was, um, I think, yeah, the Crazy Taxi took the Simpsons hit and run uh, team to court. It was settled outside of court, so I don't know any details about that, but I mean, that, w- that was pretty blatant. There was also, even going back even further, we've got uh, The Great Gianni Sisters, uh, which was a Mario <laughs> Brothers rip-off. Yeah. And um, it actually kickstarted a, a sequel to that not that long ago. <laughs> Gianni Sisters Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, it's I mean, Gianna Sisters. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you can
3: see where I'm at. Oh, no. Don't worry. Yeah. I know. Um, I mean, even our old classic Pong, that was a rip-off of- uh, Tennis for Two. Uh, Magnavox. Magnavox Odyssey. Yeah. Really? I mean, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, Pong was ripped off as well because I'm pretty sure Atari, something like, they didn't copyright or patent their microchips or their, I think, everything about their arcade machines. So, as soon as they kind of popped them out into arcades, people basically just started ripping them off.
1: Yeah, pull them apart,
3: wholesale clone them. So, the fix for that eventually was starting to, like, mislabel microchips and stuff. So, when people tried to recreate it, they just couldn't get things working. Because they obviously didn't know how to actually make it. They were just buying the pieces and building it in the same order. That's how I get by in life. Yeah. Fake it, fake it till you make
1: it. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see this. There was another example that we came across, which was more of like of the Wolfenstein 3D when we were talking about shooters beforehand. And it was called Super Noah's Ark 3D.
3: Oh. And, that is my new
1: favourite game, But Yeah. That's, that's and, for the churchy folks. Yeah, it was basically... Uh, it was very similar looking to Wolfenstein 3D, but instead of fighting the Nazis you are fight- not fighting you are putting restless animals yeah. to sleep you're putting them to bed using a slingshot yeah. and they yeah. just slingshot no them euphemism there you're doing it yeah, yeah. they they go to sleep and then they're not uh, parading around the ark throwing everything off kilter and all the bosses are like different animals so there's like Ellie the elephant it sounds and like Gerald the giraffe and
3: um, for kids
1: yeah yeah it was and it's very clearly ripped off almost entirely I think even the engine itself was pretty much cloned wholesale and then they just kind of rebranded it under the Noah brand Um, hasn't had the same sort of legacy as Wolfenstein though (laughs) hasn't really continued on as much as so so what I'm getting from this is like what like the difference between
2: a ripoff and a mod is money pretty much
3: well, I, th- I feel like it's yeah, where, where the idea comes from. It's in the game's intentions. I mean, like or like, I like I said, these clone games are for making money. They're not made to, They're not meant to impress the audience in any kind of way. And a lot of the time they use deceptive sort of tactics
1: to actually sucker people in mm. and they're not actually presenting the game itself. So, for example, if a game is, you know, like we um, talk about things like spiritual successes and things like that, where the game is heavily influenced by a particular game, but it's different enough that it's sort of its own thing, or even if it's not different enough, it's still its own thing. Yeah that's still a game mm. but for these other ones like you know minecraft 2 which was just basically you know complete shovelware it's like all the other
3: ones are uh, like total miner or fortress craft yeah. castle miner yeah there's some heaps of, these, of them out there and there's
1: all these like like multiplayer shootery ones of minecraft mm-hmm. as well and they've just like it doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. but
3: i'm pretty sure there was a dota one as well called it was lol lol yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that happened basically because they split the team, and some of the people went on to create League of Legends. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go
2: so far as to say LOL is a ripoff.
1: I, I don't, I don't think I would, I wouldn't say that. One of the, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd, the- I'd be very careful with that community.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a big. <laughs> thing. I don't mean yeah. to upset, any, upset anyone, but yeah. some. But basically, what
1: happened with the Dota was there was a split between the um, the people who created the game, and one of the main creators went on to create League of Legends. Yeah. Another ones went on to create Heroes of New Earth, which was another sort of DOTA sort of style game.
3: Games are so bloody, like game developers, so incestuous. Yeah, moving around. And everyone's jumping ships. Jumping ships.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's Games Clones. We will jump into our next segment now. We're having an interview with the guys from Gnomic Games. Hey, Bobcats. Pixel Siv. It's not Pixel Siv. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Siv. Bright and early this morning, I was up at the Cracker dawn chatting to Aranda Morrison and Mark Manel from Gnomic Studios. They're the devs behind Square Heroes. In Square Heroes you're a genetically engineered killing machine with time in your hands. Having fulfilled your original purpose of saving the human race, you now get your kicks taking down all the challenges in the Galactic Heroes tournament. So it's a multiplayer so twin stick shooter uh, with a very cool like cartoony aesthetic to it um, and it's designed for from, for from uh, to be a multiplayer game for both couch co-op but also online multiplayer. Uh, I had a chat to them and Ask them how launching how launching the game went and what playing Square Heroes uh, with gamers in person uh, feels like.
0: It's no, it's been great actually. Yeah, I mean, because of the type of game it is, it's pretty much ideally suited to that setting, being a, like a, a multiplayer game, um, and that works well local multiplayer. So feedback's been wonderful. People. People love playing it with their mates and they're often, you know, wandering around those events with friends. And um, they jump on and have a really good time. My name's Aranda Morrison and I'm a director and coder at Gnomic Studios.
4: Uh, my name's Mark, uh, I'm a developer at Nomic Studios.
1: What has been some of the feedback I guess that you've been getting as people have been playing the game? Or what have you noticed as people are, are sitting there and, and playing the game?
0: There's a variety of things, like people, like they have fun but yeah, yeah. I mean, over the time, it's evolved a lot since we first started doing it. So, so the controls are a big thing. Sometimes people don't understand the like how to do the controls. So, we pretty much have to tell them because it's a twin stick shooter. Many people will jump on and not um, they'll fly around and attack just in the direction they're flying, but they're not realizing they can sort of aim back the other way and shoot people that are chasing them. So that's a that's a fairly common one. Um,
1: if you're not standing there over their shoulder, sort of explaining it to them, how do you sort of communicate that within the
0: game? It's that's hard. We we sort of rely on people to discover it, to, to you know pick up the controller and play with things. And um, there is there is also
4: the the tutorial at the beginning of the single player. So usually, if you're playing the game for the first time yourself, you'll probably you'll probably start with a single player, uh, and there's a short tutorial there guiding you through the controls where you shoot aliens and, and get get a hold of the, the basics, basically.
1: And you guys have got a... So it's, a, it's local multiplayer as well as online multiplayer. What was the, I guess, the, the advantages of both?
0: Well, that's that was actually one of the um, big reasons we made the, the second game, Square Heroes, because in Square Off, people... Um, the, probably the main feedback item was they, they loved it, but they wanted to play online with their friends. So... Um, yeah, we, we sort of redesigned the game a bit around being able to do online multiplayer, so having bots to, to fill out games when they, when you haven't got your friends to play.
4: Yeah. So Square Off was on the Xbox uh, Live Indie Games, so it was had local multiplayer on the Xbox, uh, but you also have it on phone and tablet now, so that's just a single player mode of Square Off, the survival mode. Uh, and then, yeah, as Aranda said, Square Hero is the, the multiplayer focus, it's an arena shooter. Uh, and and particularly the local and online multiplayer. So that enables uh, an interesting thing, which we thought many games didn't have, which is couch versus couch gaming. So you could have three friends at one house, three friends at another house, uh, and you can play on the couch against the other house.
1: Is is it difficult to kind of maintain a community online for people who, you know, maybe might have picked up the game in a sale and maybe don't have a bunch of friends that they've got to play online yet? How do you kind of keep people online and playing?
4: Yeah, sure. That's one of the biggest problems uh, that any multiplayer games, of course, particularly indie multiplayer games, have, is having that critical mass of online players so, so people can jump on and find other players. Um, with with our game, uh, it's also kind of, you know, if you have the game and your friends have the game, you can jump online and play against them online. Uh, we're not there yet where you can jump online and immediately necessarily find a game to join. Uh, but we hope to get there. We still, we're still aiming to get there with the upcoming PlayStation 4 release. Uh, and that but but you're definitely right there um maintaining that critical online mass so so people can just jump in games online is is really difficult i mean if you think about it there is only you know 10 or so games in the world that people are playing heavily online at any one time and uh, you're not going to be in those top 10 as a, as a new indie title so
1: just to jump into the ps4 release there what was the process of getting uh i guess onto the playstation 4 and what are some of the challenges that you've noticed bringing it to this new platform
4: well we can speak from our perspective, so. Um, we were at PAX 2014 in Melbourne, PAX Oz 2014, uh, and we just had a, a guy playing our game, playing clothes, looked like me or you. Uh, he won the game, thankfully, so I think he had a good time, uh, and, then, and then he started speaking to us, uh, and he was a rep from Sony, um, and we kept in touch. Uh, and, and managed to uh, keep on the conversation about uh, getting on PlayStation 4, and that, that, that's how our journey started.
0: Sony are, are pretty, um, like you, every, people are probably aware, but they're pretty uh, onto the whole indie thing at the moment. Um, you know, they've got, um, it's, it's probably, it's almost easier to deal with Sony in some ways than Microsoft. They both have, you know, an, an indie focus, but but Sony have definitely stepped up their game in recent years
1: is it a, a big extra burden to move your game across onto this or is it just going to be, uh, you know, it, it, have you got an engine that runs across both?
0: I would say
4: it depends. So so we're using Monogame uh, as our framework. Uh, we kind of wrote our own engine uh, and, and that does support PlayStation 4. Uh, quite a lot of the indie titles on PlayStation 4 are Monogames. Games. So... Um, but, but but then I think I've been surprised by how much work it has been porting uh, just because of the specific console requirements um, you know they have very strict requirements around the terminology you use you know the the, the word we have uh, different languages for our games so we have to support different languages so the word for Italian for your touchpad button has to be exactly what they want for example um, and then there's things around the way you have to save data, uh, so you have to, you know, you have to do a, a fair bit more coding than than we anticipated. Uh, I think that's a fair statement, hey, Randa.
0: Ab- yeah, absolutely, and particularly for online multiplayer games, um, there's a whole big set of requirements just for those. And yeah, we're right in the thick of that process now. So we've we've submitted to the uh, their QA department uh, twice now, and so we're sort of fixing all their bugs right now. And it's definitely. Um, a long a long haul but we're going to get there soon
1: you guys have also been featured in some of the you know uh, the uh, indie bundles and there was one flying bundle a couple of weeks ago how, how does that work out for you guys and and what is what is the sort of the costs and the benefits of doing that
0: some of them some of them are better than others financially um so you know the flying bundle didn't didn't make us a huge amount of money but others have, have done quite well like the indie gala one was was pretty good um and they bring in an influx of players which you know which is great so you've you know you can see online there's a few games around during the time when the bundles are selling um and it's interesting when you talk about bundles because you know various people recommend don't you know don't bundle too early in your release cycle um because it'll hurt your sales long run but i think with with our game um the building up the player base and getting reaching that critical mass is is trumps trumps all that so
1: are you worried about i guess uh, devaluing your game if you put it into these bundles where you know people get it for cents on the dollar or something to that effect is there a, a concern about doing that
4: not anymore <laughs> um it's um it's kind of just the more people the better you know um What's you you selling a few hundred copies through a bundle uh, as opposed to selling ten copies uh, not through a sale price? Uh, What's you know what's the difference? Would rather have more people playing it uh, even if it's not making as much money necessarily.
1: Tell you what, that game has got some cracker music in it. I've just been like humming along to that end of uh, match theme for at least the last couple last of days. Couple of days yeah. yeah, it's really good. They, that was uh, Aranda Morrison and Mark Manel. They're from Nomix Studios. They're in Perth. You can check out Square Heroes at squareheroes.com. Pretty easy to find them.
3: Yeah, well worth a check out as well. It's a beautiful looking game. If you're on Twitch at the moment, you would have seen uh, the awesome visuals coming up of that. If you aren't, then please go and check it out. Um, you can, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. You guys had a chance to play it or at least check it out while you're at the Perth Games, Perth Games Fest. First, it was yeah, it was,
2: it was my favorite thing there. <laughs> <laughs> um, couldn't yeah, stop talking
3: about it. Awesome. I mean, you refer to it as like uh, worms-ish in that, you know, yeah. you're kind of battling it out. But, you know, you float around and uh, like you said, it's a two-stick kind of game. So, you've, you're flying around and you also have the ability to shoot in any direction at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's wicked. It looks great. I can't wait to play it. We're going to get into it after the show, I think. Are, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, let's jump into our next section
2: you're listening to pixel sift or you might be watching pixel sift on twitch pixel sift
1: that's right you're listening to pixel sift you can find us On the internet, at pixelsift.com.au, we've got all our episodes up there. We've also got uh, videos from uh, live streams of each episode, so you can check them out live and watch them again if you want. We've also got uh, gameplay videos when we play things online. Yeah, we're busy. You can get on there. We do stuff. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Always doing stuff. You guys (laughs) do stuff. (laughs) Always pixel sifting. Uh, We are now going to have a bit of a chat about an interesting topic uh, within the context of games and the law it's pretty broad you could almost talk about this in for an entire day there are so many different facets to it but this is off the back of sony that sort of the announcement that sony was trying to trademark the term let's play um, and go from there. And I think it was an overzealous legal team. It's a bit ambitious. Who were just trying to get, oh, we've got the word play in there mm. for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So, let's put that under our thing and they were rebuffed. Mm. All right. So, if they managed to do this, like let's say it happened and it worked and- all yay for Sony and they have it, what would happen? So, would all the Let's Play videos be taken down? Well, they could argue that. But the thing with trademarks is you, with a trademark and uh, you don't want it to become generic. You don't want it to become an adjective. You don't want it to be like Google, where people use Google as a synonym for search. So, to go, I'm going to go Google something, right? Because as soon as the trademark hits that point and into enters a sort of common language, and Let's Play, you could very much argue, is already part of the common language, you can't fight it in court anymore. Someone just needs to argue that, yes, everyone knows what this means and it means something other than. Yeah,
3: it's culturally relevant already. You can't bogart it and turn it into something that you want, especially like, yeah, copyright and trademark worlds. I just think it seems like a very. Sometimes, you can sort of understand they have a
1: brief, right, These the legal teams that they would have for these particular things, and they'd be talking to them saying, all right, have a look out online, look for things that might be something that we should get our name on because we don't want someone else getting their name on it and attaching them to us. So, for example, we don't want anything, someone saying, let's play, and maybe we want to have that as a, a PlayStation slogan, and we don't want some other company using that, right? So- so, that's what would have happened, right? That would have been the brief. But it's kind of like people who are in who are making the games and doing all the marketing and stuff probably should have talked to the lawyers and said, you probably don't want to go and alienate the people who are actually creating all this stuff for you for, you? for yeah. free mm. um, and making them kind of pushing them offside. So, this sort of only came out when the, the documents were sort of released that they had been knocked back on this particular trademark. Yeah, yeah because they tried it in December. It wasn't like it was
2: so recent. Like the, the, artic- the article, everybody knew about it way later than when it actually happened. Mm. So, so like, would they, have they tried to, like, if they had tried to
1: trademark other things in the, like, and then they just get through or when no one knows about it or? It can be. I mean, a lot of these things are only found out when someone gets sued effectively or mm-hmm. and, only, and they have to kind of go tra- chasing back on all the rulings and, and see where they actually have the, the claim to these particular phrases and terms and…
3: Or even parts of games. Um, one that's popped up uh, because all oh, this year, especially, because it's finally ran out. But last year, uh, the Namco trademark on auxiliary games, uh, that's now up. So, you know, there's a whole aspect of gaming that was kind of taken away from everybody. Because and what,
1: For people who don't know what an auxiliary game would Sorry, I'll, I'll would
3: get be. into it a little bit. Um, it's basically, instead of... When, when discs came in, um, we had the problem of huge loading times and and, and downtime, basically, and stagnant static um, you know screens, um, which you all know from... PC or, or PlayStation or, or whatever. Uh, in cartridge chase that wasn't an issue. Um, so, initially, they combated that by having little mini-games of, you know, arcade classics in the loading screens. Um, one that I remember quite well was Ridge Racer had Galaxian, um, the little 80s arcade game in your loading screen. Uh, but Namco, who, you know, or behind Ridge Racer, actually trademarked it. So, nobody's been about allowed to do it, you know, for the last, <coughs> what is it? 20 20 years years. yeah Uh, this is I also don't
2: understand entirely what this means because what if someone like trademarked
1: trademarked first person shooter is that since well it's a difference, the difference it's, between that and so what they did with this was it was a patent right so okay. a patent is part of a piece of technology that you use to sell your product and you say this is the thing that we have designed and it's what um what makes our particular thing unique and that's what value we bring along so we did it first and we've patented it and if you know Joe Blog's game studio decides to ma- use it then they're actually taking something that we thought of first okay. so that's what it was they were trying to hold on to this little piece of um, I guess game design and it's almost something because Namco games you would play them a little bit in the arcade that's probably where you mostly would know them from there weren't too much on other platforms I mean there were few but yeah. not heaps so I just never even really s- assumed that you would have a loading game in there I would just thought it would probably wasn't possible you know you'd see the little spinny wheel or you'd see the you know the little icon moving around on your loading screen to know that your thing hadn't frozen but mm. you wouldn't
3: be well, that's it. I never even realised that kind of, you know, the, the difference in power between those games at the time and knowing that that could actually happen, you know, while your game's struggling to load its the next thing, you could have another game come in the meantime. Like, I didn't really think that was a you know, overly possible thing, but it is. And its and I it's wonder to rubbed many, us due to legalities. I so. wonder
1: how many people have been developing games and then said, oh, we can stick something cool in here and then realise oh. after the fact, oh, actually, Namco owes them patent to it. Because
3: there is a way to beat patents. Like, there's just, you have to, you know, there's so many points and so many percentage of the product has to be different. So, I mean- Uh, it it, it depends on the actual like legalities of the patent itself because you know uh, would they have patents to the idea of mini games which i'm assuming they did or was it specific kind of games that they were kind of poaching off because like i said they were using like galaxian they were using existing old school games so like it it is so they
2: trademarked the fact that in a loading screen you can play a different game that's the
3: concept that they trademarked Gameception.
2: okay so that's right yeah how long have they had this for like
3: uh, I think it happened like uh, mid to mid nineties, ninety five. But I also read somewhere else ninety eight. So I have differing
1: uh, information there. Some of these things as well. It depends on where they've actually been registered as well. So they might register in one particular place, and then there's another jurisdiction that has a higher right. You know, uh, enforcement rate. Yeah. American law is really interesting in that depending on which state you take certain cases, you'll have a different chance of winning because they don't have like what we've got where. Basically, you've got federal law, and then you've got state law, which is kind of a mirror of federal law. They've got individual state laws for everything. That's why you can have- 50
3: little countries in one.
1: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. how you can have like all these different things will be- one will be legal here, and that will not be legal in another state. Yeah, Yeah, the the reason why I asked is
2: because um, MX versus ATV has- while it loads your map, you can actually play the same game. It's the same, but you can do like a freestyle mode. And then I think in some FIFA games, you can like take shots at the goal- is that? Yeah, okay. uh, that's not really a different game, is it? That's just no, playing well, the, the game, game in it, the loading. That screen. That is very interesting
3: point, though. That, yeah, see, that's that's a perfect way that they've obviously navigated that patent. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've included a mini game in your loading screen, but of their own game. Um, I see. And I mean, this all started. I, I, uh, it's testing me to remember the name of the game, but th- this all this whole, whole idea of this mini game started off one that was. Ugh. Um, uh, it was a 3D version of this game, and then right. in the loading screen you had this mini kind of just side-scrolling 2D version of the game, Right. and that was so much better than the real thing.
1: <laughs> so you just played in the menu, and didn't didn't go
3: on to basically. Next yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: wish I could remember the name of the game. There's, there's
3: plenty of other re struggling out
1: there. Yeah, there's plenty of other occasions where the law has kind of come uh, into the world of gaming. One of the most interesting ones that I remember was back in the day they had um, a. You know, If you you remember back from the old PlayStation era, you could go to someone from the newspaper, you could go and read it and find a place that says they do mod chips for your PlayStation. Uh And if you lived in Australia, there were lots of games that weren't released or they were very expensive. Um, And basically what people would do would import them from overseas and it would allow you to play the games that were NTSC format um, and Japanese format as well. and and also other European ones, or oh, relatives coming back from Bali or Phuket. Well, I was there. trying not to mention yeah. that yet. I people, mean, look, that's people, the most sort of the reason. People why in people Australia did that, know, yeah. it would know. But that, yeah. that was a, you know, that's a market force basically is pushed people to that thing. But the reason why I mention this is because back in the nineties, uh, Sony took one of the manufacturers of mod chips, one of the most popular ones, to court, um, and it went all the way up to the the High Court, um, and basically and went all the way through and they ruled that mod chips were legal and that it was your property and you're allowed to modify them and to for the purpose of playing games from other regions to remove a region restriction and that also means that for things like dvd players and stuff it also meant that that was also true you could use software and and hardware mods and things that so what what exactly is a mod so they put a piece of hardware into it yeah it was like a little probably about the smaller than a postage stamp the little chip itself okay and they actually soldered it in and it allowed you to to, uh, instead of it um, blocking NTSC games, if you put them in there, because there was nothing physically wrong with it, it was actually a, just a limitation to limit games to certain regions. Okay, um, it allowed you to play games from any region as and, well.
3: And sometimes, I mean, uh, like, mod chips were really big. A lot of people had them, and sometimes they weren't. You know, uh, an ongoing thing. Like you had to actually actually had to engage it. You
0: know, yeah, for right. A
3: different thing like you know, you do something. Press really, the like, power
1: button three times, and then it would turn into the right mode. or Something like, or, like oh, that, like yeah. an action replay on like a bit a like that, that yeah. Much, pretty yeah. much, yeah. That's pretty much all we have got time for today. That was a very uh, quick and fast show. Yeah. We've raced through it. So, if you want to have a listen to our uh, shows in, uh, you know, any of the previous shows that we've had, you can jump onto our website. Um, it is www.pixelshift.com.au. You can check out uh, that. We'll have a videos up for Square Heroes. We'll have some links in there and some stuff about some interesting game laws and game rip offs. Scott. Where can people find us on social media?
3: People, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift, as well as twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift. And Mitch,
1: people are going to go and listen to other episodes. Where are they going to? Yep, you can get, check it out on
2: our website, iTunes, Podcasts, or using the RSS link on our, all our different pages. And we're also on
1: YouTube now. You can, yep, check us out on YouTube. We'll be up there as well. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps people find our show and it helps us make better shows for you in the future. That's all we've got time for. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you. Bye.
3: See ya. I love you.